0: Hello and welcome to episode 386 of The Crate and Crowbar. It is the 24th of November 2021. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me tonight are Marsh Davies. Hello. And Tom Senior. Hello. Good evening, both. Marsh. Yes. I'd love to hear about the fun you've been having with your little ball.
1: <laughs> That's right, Chris. I've been playing uh, XO one Oh, oh. Which I think you've played before, right? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah.
0: Well, um, XO One developer Jay Weston is a is a friend of, of Pod. I should probably specify um, yeah. after a after as uh, 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 I was about to say an encounter at Resd, uh, which makes it sound more illicit than I intended. What I mean is I, I met him at of years ago <laughs> uh, when he was showing off the game in a much earlier state, and then since then I have I played it um, across uh, at least one. Uh, beta test now, I think. I, I, the only reason I'm uncertain about that is because I'm uncertain about a lot of things I think I've done. Um, but that is nonetheless, I believe, uh, true. Excellent. That is as far as I'll commit. I, the career in politics is on its way for me, I think. Like I <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, how are you finding it?
1: Um, I, I liked it. I liked it more than Graham, who uh, wrote a review for it on uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, describing it as Christopher Nolan's tiny wings. Um, which I think is actually quite a good summation. Um, the jury probably would have also accepted Denis Villeneuve's Flower or maybe Sparth's <laughs> Marble Madness. Um, but none of these are bad things to be, I don't think. It's sort of very aesthetically focused experience in which you control a futuristic spherical craft as it um, bounces around the surface and bounces into the skies of, of a number of beautifully barren alien worlds. And you do that by rolling, which is, you know, how spheres do. Um, but you can also <laughs> press a button to increase the effect of gravity on you. So you can sort of get to the top of a slope and maximize gravity as you roll down it and build up all this kind of huge momentum. And then as you ramp off onto a, onto another slope, you can decrease gravity's effect on you essentially, and go soaring high into the sky. And then you can change your shape into a disc. Uh, which allows you to glide for a limited uh, and upgradable amount of time. Um, you sort of gain lift by running into clouds, which is uh, a feature I don't really intuitively understand. Um, and you can extend your time as, as a sort of gliding disk by uh, swooping down. It seems like you, as you dive, you sort of build up heat like like you would through friction, but not all the places you end up doing this actually have atmosphere, so it isn't actually friction, but you can glide for longer, um, until your disc sort kind of cools to this grey color and reforms as a sphere and drops out of the sky, and that's pretty—that's pretty much the entire thing. Like, um, it does mix it up later on, um, but that's pretty much the things that you do. Uh, your objective being to reach these giant diagonal laser-emitting half-pipes that dominate the horizon of each planet, and you use these to you roll into them, and it kind of zoops you up into the, into the sky and you get fired into hyperspace, which looks really cool. Like, uh, the beyond the infinite moment from 2001. Um, and there's, there are a few other things like there in later levels, there are sparkles that give you some sort of mega boost. Um, and then some later levels take away your ability to steer and do other things that are actually quite annoying. Um, but on the whole, it's just rolling, uh, pumping your gravity drive and gliding and,
0: um, Yeah. Uh, those are three of my favourite Limp Bizkit album <laughs> tracks.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's sort of quite a simple game. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's obviously been very popular because those things are quite grokkable in in um, in GIF form. And the other aspect of it is that it's incredibly gorgeous to look at. Um, you know, it's just a it's it's an audio visual spectacle, is what I call it. <laughs> There's some fucking shavings. There's some fucking shaders in this game, boys.
0: Oh, are you finding this uh, maybe hard to articulate that in an audio format? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's
0: gorgeous, uh, it really is.
1: I tell you what, it's it's um it's not just pretty. It's like a it's going for a particular aesthetic, which I am you know m- vulnerable to. Uh, it's like uh, that sort of it's a masterclass in creating that religion adjacent feeling of. Oh my God, space is so big, you know, Mm. (laughs) as, as channeled by, by the films of Denis Villeneuve, you know, or, um, or or like actually like a, you know, a a Twitter account with the name like science is rad that posts photoshopped images of the horsehead nebula over the pyramids. And even though, you know, it's fake and they've deleted the attribution and instead said it was a photo of the Milky Way taken over Athens last night, it still (laughs) fucking gets you because my God, space is so big. And like XO one has you sh- slingshotting between asteroids above the rolling surface of a star. It's got you plunging and soaring amid the cloudscapes of a gas giant and like skimming across crashing waves on an ocean planet. It's got fucking amazing volumetric fog. It's got sunbeams. It's, yeah. uh, it's even, it, I tell you what, it's even got gigantic platonic solids floating in the sky. Because, you know, that's what all advanced species yeah. do, isn't it? They just build a fucking giant cube and have it hang around for millennia. <laughs> a, the the most um, nice,
2: um, visual critique of it that I enjoyed was that um, you appear to yourself be some sort of probe following this thing through its adventure. Because you have this screen with like little crosshairs that are almost it's almost mm-hmm. like you're a, a drone following it. And that's sort of like when all the spray comes onto your face from flying through these cloud structures and, you know, the the spray that comes up off the ocean as you skim against it. Um, There's, I don't know, it's an interesting feeling of being a second person in that world (laughs) beyond, just Mm. behind this abstract sphere thing in front of you that I actually really enjoyed. And and also I did enjoy the momentum aspect of it. I I do like plunging down onto a particular dip, hitting it perfectly, letting go of the gravity drive and letting the the next uh, upwards motion of the dune propel you Above the uh, above the clouds, <laughs> uh, those moments are pretty flipping
1: cool. I really like them. It's uh, it feels gorgeous when it when it works. Like I, and as you said, I, I particularly love the way that water as you go through a cloud, water kind of beads on your camera lens, whatever that yeah. lens actually is. Uh, I mean, I you know that's that's a particularly pleasing sound. The sound of like being in a tent on a rainy day, <laughs> it's, it's, mm. it has that it's kind of evokes that feeling. But like it's interesting because it only really feels good when you're doing it well and if you if you, if you fuck something up it's <laughs> yeah. somehow it's not bad but it just feels desperately embarrassing because the game yeah. aspires to this sort of mystical sci-fi elegance and it's like it's like you know imagine that huge almond shaped ship from arrival appearing on earth hangs in the air with mystery and majesty of unfathomable technology and then sort of just bonks into a mountain and (laughs) attempts an awkward three-point turn to the sound of reversing noises (laughs) and it's it's like that's that's what you conjure continuously if if you're in the wrong hands but like by and large i actually got into the swing of it it's not that difficult game and i I kept the fantasy intact um i did i really like how this is a bit of an aside, but I, I really like how empty the the worlds are. I mean, aside from the giant floating cubes, there's just something, um something powerfully evocative about like just big barren geology. To me, uh, <laughs> I d- I'm not quite sure. Yeah, did, did you did you guys read that? I, th- I know I posted it in the Discord a while ago, but there was an article on the, on the Atlantic um about how incredibly self-regarding it is for us to dub a new geological age after the human race. <laughs> like we've invented a new mm. geological age called the Anthropocene yeah. uh, relating to mankind uh, as though our impact on the globe will be of any geological significance whatsoever. And th- this article just explains in this really kind of irritated, entertaining way, just what a tiny pointless sliver of time we've occupied and how impermanent all our inventions are. But i I, I I gave this article around to people and a lot of people were like, oh Jesus, that's 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 a downer. But I find it really reassuring. I, I I really love the idea that, you know, were humanity to be wiped out tomorrow, our entire legacy would be swallowed up by the earth and ground to nothing. I find I find that really pleasing for some reason. Um and it's I don't like knowing know. that
0: someone will wipe your hard drive when you die.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Please clear my browser log.
0: You're right in your will. Um
1: but yeah, I, I accept the the occasional giant space cube if I must for screenshot value. But in general, like the incredible sense of deep time is sort of nicely gestured to. I'd say by this game, and I, I fucking dig it. Um, mm. There are there are some parts of it that didn't work at all for me. I have to say, like there's um, there are levels uh, later in the game which try to sort of they don't really add a challenge element, but they take away aspects of your control, um, uh, and that I just found that to be not interesting and only frustrating. And there's one level which is, ironically, it's kind of most ambitious and interesting level where you, you're you actually in space and you're trying to launch yourself out of the gravity wells of asteroids, which are all uh, held above the surface of this star. And it just looks so great. And the concept of it is amazing. But it, I just found it didn't work. Like it was, it was next to kind of impossible to actually aim for something with any intentionality. Uh, And I just kept on finding I'd drift off into the void and the camera would break so I couldn't see where I was going or even where my ship was. And like I spent nearly two or three hours on this level and I just kept on getting stuck on one of the asteroids and I couldn't escape its orbit. Even though I'd get like closer to another asteroid, my momentum would just die and then somehow I'd end up falling back to the first one. There are lots of complaints about the level and it's since been patched. But the solution, instead of making... The, what I wanted was a better explanation of how I was meant to engage with that level, because I'm really into mm. it. But instead, they just seem to have shortcutted the problems by adding these geezers on the asteroids that just punt you towards your final destination. And that seems like it's missing It's missing the point of addressing the UI problems, for example. Um, I, I, I get that they needed probably a fix quickly just to stop people from getting stuck on it, but uh it does it's slightly frustrating because I feel like if that level could be <laughs> tweaked and finessed, I really think it could be like the, the pièce de resistance of that game, you know, a culmination of everything you understand and everything you've been taught. But instead it was it's quite a bum note, I thought, in the end, which is a shame.
0: Mm. Would you accept Stanley Kubrick's Mario Galaxy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's pretty good actually.
0: The other thing is that there's a story.
1: Um mm. uh and I think I think it would have felt quite ungrounded without any kind of narrative. Like it does need something to sort of reinforce those sort of sober, oh my God, space is so big feels that it's going for. Um, And what they've done here is like very narratively light touch, which I think is also the right choice. Uh, You periodically get these sort of like, at the beginning of each level, you, you get these sort of spooky space echoes that tell in fragments of dialogue this sort of story of a mission to Jupiter gone wrong and, you know, you begin to realise how it might be made right again through some sort of Christopher Nolan-esque mysticism dressed as sci-fi. But in the end, I found it felt both weirdly intrusive and also incredibly thin at the same time. Like, there's just not quite enough of it for you to get involved in it. Um, I I don't know. I mean, presumably, also, the other thing is that... i it's a i don't know if it's an aesthetic choice or a choice to sort of avoid localizing the audio but they've they've got this dialogue in it um which they've chopped up and reversed so none of it is identifiable english it's it's sort of like their version of simlish you know like gobbledygook mm-hmm. but but it doesn't uh but because it's the, just these kind of repeated truncated echoes I, it doesn't... You lose all intonation and nuance. It would have been much better if they'd just picked a language, I think, even if it wasn't English, absolutely fine, because you'd get some sense of what the characters are trying to convey. And it's, it's sort of... It works when it's, like, just trying to convey texture, you know, like that... Mission Control to Apollo kind of, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of... You get that, but if you're, if it's going for a character moment where a wife says, oh, so you're leaving... <laughs> you want that to have some emotional weight to it, and it, it just can't. It can't manage that because it's just, yep, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of you know backwards speak, and yeah. I mean, you have to read the subtitles anyway. I don't know. It didn't 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 work for me, and I thought that was a shame. Um, but those are the caveats. Otherwise, I did enjoy this moody reboot of Flight of the Navigator being a big old marble <laughs> in the future.
0: <laughs> that was the other one I was going to go. For. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to it, actually. I have really enjoyed it. I'd be interested to see how the now just stuff pans out i have think. i think yeah, this game is yeah, really interesting dif- yeah this game with a really interesting relationship with difficulty i thought because i you know i i thought the thing i really like about it because it's such an unusual mix of like you know mechanics because i i was like a big tiny wings you know that was my plate that was my game on phone for a long time partly because it's basically just tribes um <laughs> and um and you know, so I, I really like those sort of mechanics and I find them quite soothing. And I found with X01 that that was a kind of strange but not unwelcome collision of things, right? Like this sort of mm. rhythmic kind of soothing input type and a a type of uh, and a kind of visual spectacle that's designed to be sort of transporting. But I, I completely understand what you mean about the difficulty then with difficulty of having moments where you're kind of taken out of that reverie by your own your own massive stupid
1: hands (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting they've made a choice not to add that many challenge elements to it which is why that Mm. that one level is confusing because not because it's it's difficult but because it's confounding like i don't know really what what i was meant to be doing the game doesn't give you enough information for you to make any kind of choices about what you're doing really um so if you make the wrong one i mean i don't know how you would know (laughs) um but some levels have sort of like like booster rings that you can aim towards and fly through and it gives you uh, a kick, but that is, it's really underused. Like that just doesn't happen very Mm -hmm. much in the game. And, um, it's quite, it's quite curious. I think they could have lent into that more, but I I guess, I guess the more gamey it feels, the less moody it it feels, uh, is, is the trade-off there. Right. But But I, I, I could have, I could have, um, born, slightly more kind of challenge level engagement with it i think um some of the levels you you might just check out of uh, a little too easy because the Mm. the level of engagement is quite
0: slight even if that engagement led to more scenarios where you bump up against it or where you get kind of taken out of it by fail state for example
1: well i mean i think you can do both actually i i think you can have um elements to the level which make make you go f- faster or do cool things that are completely optional and you can just bypass them and trundle along um that's how it is currently it's just that there are very few opportunities otherwise to 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 to, to go through those boosters really
0: because mm. I think the thing the other thing it belongs next to i would say are like what we kind of would have previously caught thought of like is like music puzzle games things like res mm. where it's like you're kind of flow you know I mean it's you know it's like as soon as there was a collision at some point of like F-Zero and um, like EDM, basically. And, you know, not F-Zero, sorry, I mean, I mean Star Fox, basically, right? Mm. Like sort of, you know, fly into the screen shooters or puzzle games or whatever. And a kind of more meditative flowing experience, recognizing that just being on a rail and having interesting audiovisual things happen in front of you is kind of a kind of yeah. really soothing thing to do. I was I was reminded really strongly uh, by Thumper. Um, oh yeah, mm.
2: with regards to this game, particularly with the vast kind of epic being swallowed by space vibes that mm. uh, that game, and also has that rhythm game type of rhythm. Obviously, um, the, the same sort of dipping into uh, values to accelerate could be matched by the corner turning that you have in Thumper. That kind of stuff. Mm. I think that's really
0: yeah, that's a good comparison.
1: I mean, it, it is, um, unlike those games, it is open. Like, you, there's no um, track for you to mm. go down. Uh, you can go off in completely the wrong direction, as far as I know, infinitely. I don't know if, <laughs> I assume it's procedurally generated in some way. I don't know to what extent there are limits to that. Um, but the direction you're meant to be going in is, is fairly obvious at all times, because I say there's a giant glowing thing on the horizon that you're aiming towards. So, things, there are elements that are built along that route that you can engage with. I don't know if they could have I I, I think it would be worse if they'd built like an explicit track for you Mm. I'm glad that it is more more open and and loose than that
0: yeah yeah I think that's it's interesting kind of because the other game that occurred to me is like part of this genre if you want to call it that would would have been um Sayonara Wild Hearts actually very different but like just Mm. thinking about like the kind of the and i think the sort of x01 status is like a somewhat like an open world variant on that genre still like that's its way of differentiating itself from the pack of experiences that i would say it's being part of which are these sort of like tone atmosphere and music led sort of like um like interactive music videos really or interactive experiences and that's i think kind of like it's interesting that that to me is an interesting line of thought because it also lines it up with its relationship with cinema as well to some extent right mm. like in the way that filmmakers we've mentioned make approach you know spectacle and movie making and, and things like that um yeah I, I like i um i kind of just want to sort of play the final thing now <laughs> yeah well
1: you can i think it's um is it on um uh game pass i think it might be on game pass now
0: oh that was Which a genuine ooh you're live ooh there yeah good. <laughs> awesome
1: You've also been playing something with um,
0: giant solids in it, floating in the sky. (laughs) Oh wow, that's a yeah. Well, if you love if you love a cube, you'll love a ring. (laughs) Sorry, Um, I wasn't quite ready for that segue, and it just like hit me in the face, and then I (laughs) fell dead to my feet. And I'm now looking at it, and I'm going to bend over and I'm going to pick it up. Um, They released Halo by surprise. Whoa! Um, I know. Um, so I was really looking forward to Halo Infinite, which is the new Halo by 343. Um, and then on the 30th bleh, anniversary of Halo, they, um, they went and just released the multiplayer side of the game, um, which was always going to be free, but they just they just went and launched it, which um, is completely was a, is an interesting power play to do so kind of right after the release of, of Battlefield 2042, which is the game we'd like to talk about at some point um, just to drop a Halo game. And here's the thing, it's really, really, really fucking good. Um, And what's really interesting about it is um, it avoids, I think, almost every predictable issue that a free, new free Halo multiplayer game could predictably have, um, succeeds on its own terms, and then struggles with a series of kind of bizarre, unforced errors that dominate what people have to say about it, which is really interesting. But no. to to focus on the good for a moment, like it's not fully featured yet. It's obviously got a ton of room to grow, um, but it's a sort of, um, uh, you know, um, kind of Halo multiplayer setup. Um, One thing I will say is it's sort of lacking the specificity of options, like your ability to like dial in particular playlists and things like that that you used to have. However, it also avoids the matchmaking splitting potential of that. It does like make custom games, but otherwise it's the familiar kind of array of modes like Slayer, Team Deathmatch, Oddball, Capture the Flag, which you know how I feel about, Uh, brought back at like little team scale and big team scale with all the vehicles and stuff like that. Tons of weapons, many of them returning from previous Halo games. Uh, lots of new weapons from the new campaign, including like a new class of weaponry. Um, loads of new grenades in addition to the old grenades and loads of gadgets as well on top of kind of like the kind of fundamental Halo gameplay, which if you haven't played a Halo game, um, is I think kind of, no one's really gone shooting for its territory, I think. Except maybe recently Splitgate to some extent, but even Splitgate um, dialed back some of the things that make Halo Halo. And I would argue that things that make Halo Halo are a long time to kill relative to other shooter games, um, relative to most popular shooting games as well. Um, it is almost unique, I think, um, even to, even alongside things that are obviously related to it, like Destiny, um, as being a game where getting the drop on someone isn't the thing that automatically ends more than half of all gunfights that take place, which absolutely is Mm. in most games, right? Most shooters are primarily about whether you happen to be behind the other person or not. Halo, obviously you're at disadvantage if the other person gets a drop on you, but it is not over because of the the shield, the shield system works, the way armaments work. And then there are other little mechanics and, you know, people can only ever carry two guns at a time. Um, it's not really about aiming down sights, although most guns can now to some extent. Um, It's about sort of um, swift, but kind of heavy movement, uh, bursting your opponent's shield and then landing critical damage uh, once their shield is down not to kill them. With different weapons, like energy weapons doing more damage to shields, kinetic weapons doing more damage to people underneath the shields, and then a new class of like electric weapon that can like disable vehicles and stuff like that. Um, And then sort of like melee strikes and stuff like that. And obviously people who are into Halo know how sort of intricate it's kind of Weapon set is and the sandbox that it forms as all of those weapons kind of combine with one another. Um, and they've done that a good job out of the gate, I think, with this one. This, they definitely feel like there's some duds in the set, but one thing I really like about it is it feels from the start that you have access to a broad uh, array of sort of equally viable options. You don't pick guns before a game necessarily, you find them in the world, but you're constantly kind of changing your loadout to suit the situation. And then on top of that, they've piled a whole bunch of gadgets. Um, some of which used to be sort of present in Halo is either like armor-specific upgrades or things like that, as effectively collectible, unusually um, limited use um, special abilities that all have some relationship with how you interact with this sandbox, this kind of combat sandbox that you're participating in the rest of the time. So and and they're they're almost all bangers. Like there's so there's the kind of there's the, the big obvious sort of like power-up style sort of ones, like an overshield and invisibility. But beyond that, you also have things like deployable walls, uh, a boost dash, um, a grappling hook, uh, and um, a what's called the repulsor, which basically just creates a like a big physics boop in front of you. And that initially seems a little underwhelming; like it doesn't do damage necessarily, it just boops things. Until you realize that Halo has always had a really strong um, interest in physics and the way it affects things, and you realize, oh, I can use this to, Or, for example. Um, the plasma grenades that stick to the sticky grenades you can't throw them very far you can know you previously you could never throw them as far as you could throw a, a uh, frag grenade but if you throw one in the air like you're serving a tennis shot for yourself and then boop it with the repulsor you can make it go miles just shit like that that just sort of like seeds into the mm. um, into the feedback or like the repulsor is a, it will repel whatever you pointed at so if someone's driving a jeep at you and they're going to run you over which is almost always a death sentence previously you can just boop their jeep out of the way and um, the grappling hook, similarly, like it's sort of momentum-based grapple line that you can use to kind of like, um, you know, swing into passing vehicles, for example, or like, you know, um, get like surprising elevation on people. All of this stuff feels like fucking lovely. Like it it all comes together really nicely. And um, I am going to talk about Battlefield, but I find it really striking next to Battlefield as a completely self-contained, and even though it's got issues, um, You know, there's issues of tuning that, you know, maybe could be resolved. It's very complete and capable as a combat sandbox, which is reliably fun to play, regardless of what mode you're playing. And crucially, Mm -hmm. gives you always the feeling that there's things you can do. You can always play better or make more meaningful strategic decisions to help your team win the game. Like they've made an actual competitive game um, rather than a engagement farm, which I think a lot of shooters boil down to, um, to some extent. Or another and that feels very old school to me like very old school halo and i really really like that and i'm kind of surprised to see that given its status as a free-to-play game and all the potential hooks um, that that would necessarily need in order to get people playing so for example there's nothing to unlock in terms of any of this sandbox right Uh, they seem seem to have acknowledged that halo sandbox works because it is like i say this broad set of options and a lot of the interesting quick decision-making and moments that you then, you know, click record on shadow play for happen when, you know, all of those elements are in the mix together. And the moment you start to limit them, um, you, you disproportionately reduce the, the scope and enjoyability of the game, I think. And they've recognized that. And, um, you know, Like and it seems so. From that regard, I've been having a lot of fun with it, and it feels like a really super promising uh, start. Makes me really excited for the campaign because it feels great, and like it's made me go. I mean, I sort of missed the last Halo. I played the one before that, so I don't really give a shit about what's happening in the campaign. But like, you know, Halo has always been so good as a both a PVE and a PvP combat sandbox. It's always been so fun to dabble in that and enjoy that power fantasy, particularly in the single player mode, that like, I'm now genuinely excited to see what they do with that because, you know, it's just like, it also made me realize, I think, as someone who loves Destiny and has played a lot of Destiny, the things that were lost when Destiny moved to the MMO model, when loot was introduced and leveling up and not necessarily having access to, as I say, the whole sandbox all the time, you do lose something. It feels far more substantially like a complete game uh, to strip all of that shit out and just give you a set of toys and let you go play with them uh you know it's not quite split screen on the xbox anymore because of its a sort of service game model but it has it has reignited my 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 love of that series and i think why it is so you know um such a unique um and like you know worthy sort of pillar of a particular kind of competitive shooter
1: mm.
0: now the reason people are complaining about it is really interesting because mm. their implementation of progression which obviously it does have it has a battle pass system is garbage and i rarely i rarely come out of the gate and say this is just flat out bad but what is weird about it is it's garbage in a way that for me doesn't make the game worse um it's just it just feels deeply unsuccessful and i and i find myself looking at it i find it hard like as a player i find myself a little bit disappointed but for, for in ways that i have to keep acknowledging aren't actually affecting my enjoyment of the game and the reason it doesn't work is this Basically, they made this decision. So it's a battle pass system whereby you, you know, you, you, you level up your, this season's pass. As you hit certain milestones, you get rewards. Some of those rewards you get, regardless of whether or not you've paid for the premium version of the battle pass, other parts of it you get, if you've paid eight quid for this season's battle pass. So it's, you know, the soft subscription model, same as Fortnite, same as every other game in the world right now. Um, And, um, but what's, uh, and they've even made some wholesome decisions around this that this will run alongside other seasonal events that offer their own reward tracks that are free for everybody for example or the fact that the, while the battle passes will be released seasonally they themselves are not seasonal you will always be able to choose which battle pass you want to progress so if i don't finish this current season that i've bought i will all, for as long as the life of the game i will be able to go back and and contribute my progress to this battle pass if I want its rewards to get rid of that FOMO thing of like, I've got to finish it before the next season comes out. All of that stuff is really, really smart. And I think should be adopted by the people using this system. The complete bizarre, like, I don't like, I find it fascinating because I, I don't see how this survived playtesting and I, I don't, or even like brainstorming to some extent is the way you progress it. So what they have done is it's like an XP system. But you don't get XP through playing Halo. You don't get XP from playing games. You know, Halo has an extensive uh, system of medals of different rarities for doing things like double kills and triple kills and jumping over someone, and hitting him from behind, and all of these granular little special kills you can do. They don't mean shit outside of the fun of doing them, which is valid. That is a form of fun. But it is bizarre to me that they are not hooked up. You're not rewarded for them in this meta structure that they're ostensibly using to drive engagement. Instead, you get a rotating set of effectively bounties or like daily challenges which are things like get a double kill in this mode or get five kills in pvp using this gun and those get you xp um and this is basically the bounty system from destiny but it seems to misunderstand something really deeply fundamental about these systems which is they are almost always bonuses they are almost always a way of getting extra xp out of a game not a way of getting the only way to get xp out of a game and When they become the only way to get XP out of the game, um, they would, in normal circumstance, become this warping, inf- you know, influence where players' behavior is massively altered by the bounties they've got ahead of them. Like, oh, I, you know, I need to level up my battle pass. I need to get three kills with the bulldog shotgun, so I'm going to exclusively use that, maybe to the detriment of my broader strategy. That would be the case if the weapons available in every any given mode and indeed the modes you play weren't randomized when you join games so it is very likely that you constantly join games where you literally cannot earn xp you just can't the the you cannot complete you cannot fulfill the challenges you can you can steer yourself in the right direction and some are easier than others but you know shortly after launch to try and stem the, this issue they added a almost like generic challenge, which is complete a game, which gets you a very small amount of XP. And I think they did that just so the bar would move every time someone plays, but it moves this tiny fractional amount unless you're specifically targeting these challenges. And it's really interesting because as I say, I would rather have it be this way around, right? Like I played a ton of this game and my battle pass is level four of a hundred because I'm just playing for the fun of it. And occasionally that lines up with the arbitrary challenges that have been dropped in my lap. However, I don't want to play for the battle pass because it's I I it's you know against the design of the game and also actively difficult. You know you can't even see the currently available challenges while you're in a game, so you have to wait until the end of the game to find out if you progressed to them. It's just it's it's so odd. I find it so strange, and they've said that you know to their to their credit, they've said they're working on it similarly this week they've started their first weekly challenge and these are these like these like special as they say special progress bars free for everybody um and it's like a a smaller number of rewards this one is like samurai themed and there are 30 rewards um and instead of it being xp based you go up a level every time you complete a challenge but there are only two challenges released every day and the thing only runs for a week which means if you want all 30 you have to make sure you get and it only runs for three weeks you get you get you play maximally 20 on 15 out of the 21 available days i think um and do the challenges which is its own set of things i i i i I mean maybe this is gonna sound arrogant i don't know what they were thinking i don't get it like it it feels so it feels like the one thing the industry didn't need any help with was like designing a bar that goes wow when you do anything
1: <laughs> but i do you know like what the I mean? fact that maybe i mean i don't know this doesn't seem uh, immediately to be a uh something i find objectionable i like i'd rather games didn't have that stuff and for it not to be the focus seems good i mean obviously yes. it's going to anger people who are <laughs> who are interested in getting that sense of artificial advancement um what I, but i just what I, find I just you know, well, I just really want to play a good session-based game. I don't really care about the meta. So, as somebody who doesn't care about the meta and would prefer to play a session-based game, is this so slight that it won't uh, alter my enjoyment of it at all, or is it still intrusive in some way?
0: What I th- what I find interesting about it is, I think you're absolutely I think you're absolutely right. Like, I don't think it. I think it is better. Like I say, it's better. It's this way round, but it still has the um um, the hooks of an engagement based free to play game. Um, when an XP bar appears and then doesn't move up very much, it is impossible not to feel that you failed at something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right.
0: And that is the thing that immediately follows. So, and that's what's so strange about it. You might have a great game where you do really well and you get a bunch of medals that you're proud of. And then, then those don't go and attach to anything. They don't go then stick onto your profile. They're not something, you know, like, these retention mechanics, as cynical as they can be, are also also point you towards the kinds of behavior that the game wants to encourage. And while you can think your way around it, as like a thinking grown-up, that like, well, I choose to value my own fun, and so that quad kill medal means more to me than failing to get three kills with a gun that didn't even spawn on this map. Mm. What it is telling you is important is directly opposed to what you should be thinking is important if you are going to have a good time. And so... It creates the work of jumping, like dialing yourself back into the, exactly that thought. I would, well, that, that seems weird, but I do prefer it like this. And what's really evident from the way the game is being received and covered is people don't, people aren't, people that have a limited amount of patience for that, right? Eventually they'll go, when is this game going to stop telling me that I'm failing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even though I think it's it's such a good game, like it's, I mean, because Halo's bones are so so sturdy, and it's such a great scaffold to build the game from, and it seems like a really great version of that. Um, you know, I have things that I don't think are perfect about it, but like I'm really enjoying it. So I find it fascinating to see a see the effect of a honestly poorly implemented progression system can have, even when it doesn't materially change something about the game. Because if you had to do this to unlock, say, the sniper rifle. You'd be in your mind to say this is just bad, right? This is just a this is just a, a big error that they're gonna have to do the 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 community manager apology post for. Whereas actually this is not a bad game. It's a very, very good game with a what feels like I say, an unforced failure. Like it, it feels like it is it would not be a challenge for them to simply give you experience points based on the medals you get in the game, say and therefore mm. tie your progress, even if you didn't care about unlocking new armor attachments and hats, tie your progress directly to the things you chose to do rather than the shopping list of things you were told to do. Um, really interesting set of issues.
1: Does It does whiff a little bit of uh, internal politics, <laughs> like you know, a, mm. a team trying to make one thing and then getting a mandate to, to implement something more lucrative uh, at the last minute.
0: But this is the thing. It limits what it will sell you in a big way. Like, Mm. there's only one cosmetic available for purchase every week, and it rotates every week.
1: It's an odd compromise.
0: It is. It is. It is. I find it it fascinating. I have no doubt they'll fix it. Like, that's the other thing, right? Like, I have no Mm. doubt they'll be fine. But in what way? Yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, people should play it because it's free. And, like, particularly on, because, you know, I appreciate PC has had Halo Master Chief Collection and stuff for a while, but it still feels novel to me to play it with a mouse and keyboard. And I think if people are haven't realized how great Halo multiplayer is, there really is no excuse now because it is hmm.
1: ace. Um, having ignored most of the uh, kind of marketing for this, I don't know whether it hues closer to the, the, the Halo Reach model of multiplayer where you had these kind of uh you had to have a loadout essentially and abilities that you'd activate in in the level whether it's Mm. more like halo 3 where it's it's sort of more of a uh a plateau where everybody loads into the level in a similar sort of state and has the same abilities available to them
0: i would say the latter it feels like halo 3 to me um in any good way yeah like the the because the new abilities and things that they've added um are pickups it just feels like a new class of pickup, right? Like traditionally, you've always gone running around looking for grenades and ammo and weapons. Now yeah. you just you just add these sort of like wrist attachments to that now. Um, and although there are, there are obviously modes where you can specify things like that. So like, you know, at the moment Fiesta is running, which is the mode. It's like team deathmatch, but you spawn with two random guns and now also a random special ability. So that creates that sort of sense that I've got a loadout, but also crucially, you don't know what it's going to be until you respawn. So that's really fun as well.
2: Uh, but one thing I would say about uh, this is actually that, though um, part of me is kind of sad that uh, critics have to basically review uh, progression systems as much as they would ref- as they would view the actual mechanics of the game. It is necessary because I am comp- I, I too am completely prey to an ins- like if a progression system is unsatisfying, it will impact my uh, opinion yeah. of the game itself—it's the the two are one and the same now, um, and that's the thing that's changed from ten years ago. I think um, in hmm. shooters and almost every game that we play um, that has like attached RPG systems, battle passes, um, and it's good to see reviewers actually sort of calling out a bad progression system if it's if it's the thing that's offered to you that apparently delivers incentives that are supposed to enhance the game they have to be valuable in some way <laughs> uh, <laughs> while somehow not compromising the core experience <laughs> of the excellent mm. game that these people have made. And that's a very difficult balance, but nonetheless is what audiences expect now. And uh, I think it's good that like it, it is discussed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cause it is, I mean, it's the thing, it is a, like, it is easy to pretend that you don't notice this stuff just because it wasn't always in games, but it is right. like a really vital means by which games communicate to you now. And like, it is impactful on your experience because you're told whether or not you did well or not. Right. And you know, that's the, that's the strange discordance between like you did amazingly in this game, but let's skip to the XP bar, not moving, (laughs) right? (laughs) which is such a strange, such a strange, the thing that strikes me about it so much is that it's such a strange disconnect that it's it's odd to me. No one caught that. This feels weird. Right. Hmm. It's also that like, those progressive systems are basically the
2: biggest signal that you have that tells you what to do next in the game. Uh, and this is the massive, mm. massive problem I've had with Destiny this year is that the simple message of what do I what do I do next in this game? Like, I, you need some guidance, and lots of the time, the, the place where you earn the most resources is the way the game sort of implicitly tells you that you're going to, that's the path you, you're supposed to go on to progress. And if that's, like, unsatisfying or unclear, uh, those are both design faults these days, and uh, yeah, I think it's
0: reasonable to call those out. Absolutely. Have you been having these issues elsewhere, Tom? Um, well,
2: I think this—I think this has to feed into Battlefield. <laughs> yeah, I guess it really does. I think it really does, and uh, I, I have had the classic experience of Battlefield 2042, um, which is also another sort of multiplayer-only release uh, as a kind of you know first purchase for the game um but i have the say i have a very similar journey with battlefield games in the modern era where i play them for about five hours and i'm absolutely kind of compelled by the extraordinary spectacle of the thing and the sound design and the incredible kind of moments that occasionally happen in the games but also feel basically utterly lost and confused by what it kind of how to progress or how to you know Get good at the game, or how to even just find a build that is fun. Uh, and I'm thoroughly tr- trapped in that uh, that trench with Battlefield 20- 2042 right now. After about five or six hours of play, um, and uh, there are just I've kind of flashed onto the maps that I hate, and sort of like various a very mixed, weird uh, system of having like heroes who have a couple of abilities matched onto a loadout. Where you can you build separately and can map onto different heroes, but to unlock the attachments you have to level up the guns, and it's absolutely batshit. And I kind of hate it, <laughs> even though I, yeah. I enjoy moment, so, so many moments of this game that I really enjoy, and I admire the kind of artistry of uh, a lot of the kind of war zones that these dynamic war zones they create. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what you think, Chris.
0: I think they've created a kind of like non-euclidean hot take resistant completely frictionless surface Somehow, (laughs) like it's bizarre so i'm about 14 hours into battlefield 2042 Mm. i played it quite a lot and i have been through like i've been and i I recognize the journey you're describing because i've had it with most other modern battlefields as well um and i have i have had that coupled with new experiences like thinking wow this is great but i don't like it and now thinking this is bad and i do like it um all the way to, <laughs> <laughs> um you know because it's getting review bombed to hell like the the the, mm. the perspective of, like i've seen you see it in game people saying i hate this while playing it
2: i i don't i rarely troll people but about a year ago <laughs> i did used to just go to battlefront to say oh, i really like the stormtroopers in this and just the torrent of abuse. It's like, what the fuck? It's just <laughs> rubbish. I hate this. It's all awful. Ah, the shooting is, ah. I was like, I oh, know, but I just, I like the Ewoks. I like the Ewoks. So you could just type things like that and just like <laughs> set off like, like tirades of hate in this game that, that they've paid lots of money for and are like in playing. It's like, Oh, I like I like the Jedi. I like it when it hits the Ewoks. It's good. And yeah, you just get endless kind of... It's amazing how like uh, so many of these games, like a, a lot of the kind of fire that comes out of them is, uh overthinking World of Warcraft used to be this case, people just complaining mm. about the weather, people who enjoy this thing and go into it every day and the way they kind of bond over it uh, with strangers is to kind of moan about it, <laughs> which is a very yeah. strange dynamic, but a real one.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is released in a state where it's like maybe attracted that. I think it's like it's not just complaining about the weather. It's complaining about the huge fucking tornado that is ripping around the center of the game. Um, But what's really interesting about it is like there's not one clear thing necessarily wrong with Battlefield or right with it. Um, They've they've they have today or the last couple of days, I think last week, I don't know, um, announced they're making some changes and things. Um, to a lot of the nitty gritty things that people are complaining about and I found myself sort of split between wanting to articulate why I think it's not working at the macro level and then at the micro level and then realizing these are kind of the same thing with battlefield because uniquely among shooters I think it maintains this weird relationship between your mind's eye sense of what is going on the battle you're taking part in the spectacle of it and your ability to take part in kind of meaningful minute-to-minute gameplay right to come from halo which sort of like you know Kind of made a cliche of the 30 seconds of fun idea you get battlefield which is like one second of wow uh one second of wow 10 seconds of run four seconds of shot in the back and 20 seconds of respawning um there's it's fascinating thing there's there are, is, there are huge issues for example and i'm, I'm for now i'm just going to talk about like conquest like battlefield 2042 conquest mode like core battlefield for example um Vehicle balance is absolutely all over the place at the moment, partly by consequence of the maps, which I get to partly by consequence of just some really bizarre decisions. Um, they are going to nerf them. Yeah. Hovercrafts are the deadliest thing on the battlefield. They're insane. By a, yeah, they're insane. They're heavily armored, minigun armed, you know, quad triple weapon position, super tanks that can travel vertically up skyscrapers, that can speed boost or fast enough to evade helicopters. You can't fucking do anything about it. You see it, you know, not the only thing, that redeems being flattened by a hovercraft in Battlefield for the millionth time is being in a hovercraft. And now you are God. The ultimate (laughs) weapon of war, the hovercraft. Um, Like the fact that the little helicopter that you unlock at level 20, the little shitty baby helicopter is way better than the Apache in like every possible way. These feel like things they could have caught before (laughs) the game came out. Um, The fact that jets literally do not do anything. If you would like to play the game as a big, um, a big, just a big pointless idiot that flaps around in the sky, flying to and from the map, contributing in no way to the action below, unable to ever kill anything because nothing does anything to the magical helicopters you can't kill or certainly not a hovercraft, um, try a jet. Um, then you've got the fact that like um, a lot of the interest of like the horizontal interest of loadouts, which is present, there's a bunch of cool new gadgets and abilities in there is masked by the fact that its unlock system is both really stingy and suffers for something the previous battlefields have been better at which is having upgrades be strict improvements so you you unlock a new auto you know assault rifle or something it's pretty much always or sniper rifles particularly it's pretty much always going to be just directly better than the previous one that doesn't feel great because you're also unlocking gun by gun unlocks so the time you spent unlocking stuff for the previous gun now feels wasted just bizarre weapon balance issues like submachine guns are, are basically laser beams that will take people out at any range uh, assault yeah. rifles are garbo like just weird shit and then i started to dial in like oh yeah the the maps are spectacular they got a penguin consultant but the penguin consultant couldn't couldn't make the maps not pretty bad <laughs> like <laughs> you know so the maps have this really weird issue of being enormous for like 128 players really really open except when they are sort of unnavigable tangles of interior geometry um, and for having dozens and dozens and dozens of vectors of attack. Like the battlefields always had a lot of verticality, but these maps feel like they actively resist ever having battle lines form unless you're in the modes that force that. Hmm. And what that means is you can't actively really you can you and your friends can repel an assault from a particular direction. But there is no telling whether, you know, if you're defending a point, say, which is a big part of Battlefield. But there's no reasonable way to predict where the next one's going to come from. Um, not just because, you know, helicopters exist, because that's always been a thing, but because um, someone might just sort of spawn in a different direction, or they might use a zip line to get on top of a building, or they might wingsuit or whatever. And the fact that, you know, things like the radar doesn't indicate whether the person that you're pinging, is pinging on your radar is above or below you, means that, like, you don't, you don't fucking know, basically, half the mm. time. And so that compounds this constant grind of being shot in the back and resists something battlefield loves which is these moments where you spend the whole map in one place defending it for your team and while you have a sense of a bigger battle going on around you your experience or you and your friend's experience is this one great firefight which often depends on a degree of predictability on your ability to plan on the fact you you have character that can put down walls and that's great but that ability becomes more like this quick fire, like, oh shit, this person's coming from this, I'm going to fucking fortnight him to death by building a wall right now, rather than I've dug in and I'm living that particular fantasy. So all of that makes it sound really bad. But when you're playing it with friends and you're kind of in the thick of it, it does create loads of moments that are really fun. And it's a really, you know, it's still very spectacular. But I do feel like, it can't get around the fact that it just could be so much better. And then it creates that trap for itself with Portal, which is the mode where you can go and play custom games or remixed versions of Bad Company 2, Battlefield 3, or Battlefield 1942, where suddenly when that stuff works, you're like, oh, there's a they hid about a better Battlefield game in here. Like, and then the first night I was playing it, that was a source of like genuine delight to be like. Well we played. You know, we had in one session we played every battlefield. We played 1942, we played Bad Company Two, we played Battlefield Three, and then we played 2042. And we had an amazing time with all of them. And so, to land this, uh, um, I'll say one nice thing. Just independently of everything else, I really like the VTOL aircraft where you can change it from hover to plane. That's just I like a vehicle that has a button that makes the engines turn. That's cool. I like being a VTOL pilot. I like being a transport pilot in it. I've genuinely had fun doing that. Um, I quite like its version of Battle Royale or um Hunt, although it's completely mad. Um, but crucially, I think what I'll say is for all the doom and gloom and the review bombing, I think it's all totally fixable. And I think probably in like six months to a year there'll be a really good battlefield game here. But it is a weird one now. I don't know if that is resonant with your experience, Tom. Hundred percent Um I just,
2: so uh, I think the the perfect, perfect example of what you were saying about the kind of verticality plus, you know, open-ended map design, uh, is there's a a bit called, I think it's Singapore port in one of the maps where Mm, there are these huge cranes that, um, it it looks incredible. It's actually kind of a really cool idea for a space. So these huge kind of like loading cranes, uh, loads of kind of, um, Um, short-range battles that could happen among the cargo containers that are also on the dock. Um, And there are kind of warships that are kind of pulled up as well, and people could be inside the warships firing out of them, but the trouble is is there are people firing out of the warships. There are people on top of the fucking cranes with sniper rifles that you can't see or get to if you're on the ground, and you can't do anything about them whatsoever. Uh, So if you've got like a a short-range rifle, uh, or even just like assault rifles, like Chris is right. Like the assault rifles are useless. I don't understand what the idea was, was with those. Like having a submachine gun with a good scope is better if you feather fire it. I d- it's just nuts. Uh, but anyway, if you want to sort of like thrive, go into that close combat environment of the of the shipping containers, and even even that is like a multi stage vertical environment where people can land on top of the, a four stories tall shipping container uh, kind of arrangement. And just shoot down all the people who are walking past it is the combat is completely arbitrary in conquest i just don't like i hate it <laughs> I, yeah it's just like it feels like a waste of time and i, I even though i want to i just want to have a, a cool kind of oh you know movie war zone experience but, but it's and even getting back to the front lines is difficult because where the fuck are the front lines <laughs> in this mess right. of the, there is a of the map there, there's there aren't there aren't any and the the Reason why, like for example, rush maps were really good in Bad Company, is because they, they created attritional front lines that um, weren't too frustrating. They they, are, they were sometimes, and some of the better kind of conquest maps in earlier battlefields did have front lines. There were, there were particular objectives and ways to assault, uh, you know, an elevated position that were, were obvious. Just you want to camp behind this particular rock formation. You want to throw down some med packs. You want to have a medic that are reviving people as they kind of like attritionally snipe people and slowly advance. There's a journey to that. There's kind of a story that happens on the map, and I haven't had that at all with Battlefield 42's maps. Um, it, it just feels like none of them have delivered, uh, apart from occasional moments of spectacular, you know, explosions and stuff. They haven't delivered that story, and uh, I'm not particularly interested in being good at this game. <laughs> More, mm. I, I sort of experience it and have fun uh, within the context of the loadout I have. And to compare it back to Halo again, the the guns available available to you right away are all completely viable. They're all completely fun, and they will all do the job if you use them well. Uh, that even includes the sidearm pistol. The the mm-hmm. most basic one is really really good. Like if if yeah. you break break shields down, you break that out. You you're gonna get your you know you're gonna get your kills. It's, it's a really good weapon. Um, I can't say that say that about many of the starting weapons in uh, 2042. They all feel a bit shambolic and inaccurate, which has always been a thing with Battlefield, but more so with this one for me. I don't know why. Um, I've just been frustrated. Yeah,
0: it's so interesting because I think you're right. Like I'm thinking about like even the map that was in the beta, which is Orbital, the one on the launch site. Oh, yeah. There's like, I think it's point B on Orbital is at the top of the tower, like the rocket, the the rocket house. You know, when you're a space rocket, you live in a house until it's time to go to space. Um, (laughs) A real thing that humans have done. Yeah, you know, and it rolls out on its little route, tracks and it goes all the way to the, the big, the stick of launching. I'm turning to Pip. This is what two years of lockdown has done. Um, the, um, the rocket house, right? It's There's a point on top of that. And often there's a big aerial battle around it as helicopters sort of vie for air supremacy. There's always always there's a battle on the roof, some sniping to and from nearby hillsides and stuff. And they have built this incredibly intricate interior environment around the gantry ways of the rocket house with um you know uh staircases and um you know zip lines and things to get up this space i have never seen a gunfight take place in there because there are also zip lines on the exterior of the building uh which are faster and come out at the same place Hmm. so it's it feels like they've just sort of like it, it feels like, you know, the time I've spent in there has almost always been like an act of role play. Like, oh, <laughs> it would be so great to have a gunfight in here in a game of Battlefield, which I'm in right now, but it will never happen. Like, you know, yeah. um, instead, I will go and join the attritional respawn war on the roof or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's probably an artist whose sole job was populating that interior with beautiful objects that nobody will ever see. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I, I I know the roof. you I mean, I hate that roof. I hate it when one of my teammates is on that roof and I have to spawn
0: on them and just run around in circles and sort of like try and shoot people. <laughs> but you <laughs> can drive a, a hovercraft up the side of the rocket house <laughs> and punk it on the roof. God. And then, yeah, honestly, I hope they don't fix hovercrafts inexplicably being able to climb sheer walls. Cause that is genuinely the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> when <laughs> like there's a, there's a map that the idea is it's like, you know, it's the future. It's the bad future. And there's like a kind of agriculturally reclaimed swathe of the Sahara desert on one side of a big wall. And then the desert on the other side, it's a metaphor you see. Um, And um, the big wall has like three like checkpoints in it, which is like the main way in for ground vehicles. And then obviously they got the helicopters and everything else going over the walls. And like, I don't hate it as a map design. Um, Both sides of the map are interesting and different. And um, you know, you actually do, it, it's, it's the most brute forced way of doing it, but they actually do achieve in having some interesting battles around those little individual tunnels and those checkpoints. Um, and it's meaningful when like a helicopter breaks across the divide and goes for, you know, try and flank or something like that. And then very occasionally you'll get like, we had this, you know, all of me and me and three friends piled into a hovercraft escaping enemy territory by ignoring the tunnels, slamming into the vertical slide of the wall and revving the engine until the hovercraft sticks because the hovercraft has some, like some suction power, like it sticks to surfaces and this bug allows you to, if you can hit it into a wall hard enough, um, stick to a wall and then it will just truck climb and climb and climb and climb. And it was like, it was like some kind of slow, stupid, great escape moment of like, scale scale like scaling the wall out of enemy territory and in, in the little hovercraft that could and i hope they don't fix that because it's completely it's complete nonsense and it's probably exactly the sort of thing battlefield's always been good for but um yeah jesus the rest of it it's like oh I, in talking about it i kind of want to play it after this this is the stupid thing i, about I it, have the I, same
2: yeah. i have the same thing 100 actually i really i really really want to like it and there's something really compelling about it. And actually, playing those old maps, there's a weird sort of uncanny valley to it. In what's it what's the mode called? Is it not? It's not Foundry. Is it? It's um.
0: Oh, um. Portal, so- Portal.
2: Portal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So playing like bad company maps, battlefield three maps, I I just like got low so much nostalgia from just like they they seem to be like really precise representations of those old maps, but we with- yeah the 2042 kind of weapon rules and stuff which makes it feel a bit weird but still they're really good like I had, I had the, I've had my best, best experiences playing my company 2 maps in that game
0: yeah I had an amazing round of like El Alamein 1942 with because actually if you if you find the right server and it's actually it will, they can actually use the exact weapon rules and gameplay from those old games so hmm. you can get like you know so you get like oh, cool. the fact that you can't the fact that you can't prone in bad company for example right yeah um Um, and I had a game where I spent almost all of it in a Spitfire, you know, on a classic 1942 map. And, and, you know, me and my pal Paul, who were playing it together, I think both turned into 14 year olds again, right? Like it was so powerful a return to like the summer holidays of the year Battlefield 1942 came out and how that game felt that one thing it proved to me is that like, oh, that game is still in here. Literally, it's in this game, Mm. right? It's not like I've grown out of Battlefield or Battlefield was always a bit ropey. It's like, no, they've released a ropey one and then bundled it with this extraordinary system for playing a better one, which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. Have you played the the Tarkov slash Hunt mode yet, Tom?
2: I've not actually, uh, because I wanted to actually play that with some pals um, rather than sort of like waiting in there. With a, I want a little squad to kind of wander around with and experiment with it. So if you folks are free, I'm always
0: up for that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, we played it like to me and a friend and then two Randos and I actually had a very positive experience of Randos, including like, oh, yeah, cool. people saying good job at the end and stuff. It's quite fun as a, you know, it's not quite Battle Royale. It's, it's much closer to a Hunt or a Tarkov, but mm. in, in a fast forward, quite stupid mode. Um, but uh, if basically you're on one of the big maps, you drop down with a squad of four and satellites drop around the map and they have hard drives in them, which you need to collect. And everyone can only carry a certain amount of hard drives. And then at two points in the map, one about five minutes in another 10 minutes in uh, a big drop ship comes down to rescue you. And if you can get to the drop ship with your hard drives, you get points. And then otherwise it's like battle royale rules. And over time, you can, you know, find new gear and find other kinds of, like, you know, call-ins. So you can call in jeeps and robot dogs and stuff like that. Um, and we had a genuinely good time with it. It's genuinely fun. And also there are, like, AI creeps on the map, like little AI soldiers running around. It's, like, genuinely pretty good. Very lightweight, very fluffy. Um, don't know if I would play a ton of it um, when, you know, Hunt exists. But um like
2: how cool. long
0: how long does a game last? I think one of the things
2: also with Battlefield... 2042 is that i kind of had to stick an hour to 90 minutes to two hours mm. aside to actually kind of play the thing and there aren't one of the things i liked about battlefield 3 was the eventual introduction of gun mode uh gun yeah. game, um which was kind of like oh i could just play that for five 10 minutes and have a really good time and battlefield it feels like such a commitment these days
0: well you can play increasingly if you what you enjoyed about but i also loved gun game in battlefield 4 as well it's the And if you liked gun game, um, you will love the uh, million versions, broken versions of gun game available through Battlefield Portal, where (laughs) you can play um, various people's temporary attempts to make gun game. Um, Played a bunch of them. And a lot of them, you know, the spawns aren't properly randomized, so the most efficient way to play the game is to spawn step backwards wait for the next person to spawn where you just spawned shoot them in the back oh, step fantastic. a little bit further backwards shoot the next person and join the endless conga line of escalating guns there's a we played a mode where it was gun game which is for people don't know where is the mode where you uh, you get like two kills with a gun you upgrade to the next gun and the first person to get through all of the guns wins um but they they had implemented every single gun in Battlefield 2042, which also includes all of the guns from 1942 Bad Company 2 and <laughs> oh, Battlefield God. 3, including duplicates, so it was a 63 gun years. gun game. Yeah, exactly. It was a 63 gun gun game, and it was actually amazing because you get this weird scenario where it's like I can't get a, I can't get a fucking kill with Battlefield 2042's garbage assault rifles. But right. Someone's chasing me with an M1 Garand, <laughs> Battle- and he's 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 fucking he's got my number. He shot me in the bottom. <laughs>
2: Look out, um, look out, he's got a Glock. Yeah, that's exactly. That's very funny. I, I wish some game designers had just, just put that in the game rather than leaving it to the community to sort of like get through the scripting and eventually one day make one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw some, some people made some incredible stuff given how limited the rule set currently is. Mm. Like, someone's made a because there's like a wingsuit which lets you be like a flying squirrel, and someone's made like a wingsuit training map. Um, but the game hasn't way you like fly through checkpoints you know from a skyscraper you're trying to you know like pilot wings basically but there's no way in the game currently to like make a checkpoint right um so -hmm. the way they've done it is somehow they've managed to create um like flying spinning rings of ai men who are colored red and they float in formation as a big ring. And they float and they spin and spin and spin. And then when you fly through them, they all die. And that's the way it's tracking. It's tracking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's wonderful. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that
2: like, they constructed a floating uh, ring full of proximity mines. And then when you died, it instantly respawned you at the same spot and count that as a kill and therefore towards a victory total or something.
0: It's the kind of balked logic that yeah. actually
2: does make things things happen. So that's it. Nope. Just a lot good. of that a hot good.
0: chip music video. It's very good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I want to play some more of it. But that's not the only thing you've been playing, right, Tom?
2: No, um. So I got uh, finally got my hands on a PlayStation PlayStation Five this week. Um. Mm-hmm. And I've been sort of indulging in some of the launch titles. And the one that has delighted me, captured me the most, is uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And it is just an astonishingly beautiful technological showcase um, that also just has incredible movement and shooting systems, for the most part, that kind of put loads of other action games uh on notice i think in terms of, but th- so this is made by insomniac and what i thought when i was playing this game uh was that wow they've just kind of uh put all of the most sort of fun movement motion shooting mechanics into one thing like uh, the things everyone loves a double jump with a dash uh mantling th- th- just loads of basic kind of like microwave movements that make it just your flow through the environment much easier and really fun uh double jump pads that lead onto wall running sections that you can pop off and then boost onto another platform just deliciously uh just delicious kind of combinations of movement that is uh, that are basically idiot proof um <laughs> and that the, the last part the idiot proof part is basically the key to all of it because failing at a platforming challenge in 2021 is, uh, I feel like um, the game has attacked me. <laughs> if I <I've, laughs> if I've tried to do the jumps and the cool wall runs and the cool dashes and I don't end up on the platform, the glowing platform I was supposed to be on, I feel like um, I feel like it's the game's fault, <laughs> um, which is kind of an interesting uh, point because. Uh, it, it Games are supposed to be about challenge to an extent, but actually certain games that want to be kind of really fun, frivolous, casual action experiences need to give you the impression of challenge while right. delivering the maximum amount of spectacle for doing the thing you can't actually fuck up at all. Um <laughs> and so much of Ratchet and Clank uh Rift Apart is that. And that that sounds like I'm kind of like criticizing the game like being negative about it no absolutely not that's completely right for this game like 100% and it feels like th- there's so many movement systems that insomniac games have worked on um over the years that are in this game so i think they did um, sunset overdrive which is a yeah. famous about grinding so there there is an extraordinary like rail grinding sequence where you go around uh, an awakening colossal robot, uh, who's, who's supposed to be like a friendly character, but he's only, he's been awakened after long sleep. So he's, he's raging and he's trying to shoot you and it's an extraordinary. And yet very importantly, impossible to fuck up sequence where you, uh, <laughs> grind rails in circles and jump between explosions. Uh, you press like L one to propel yourself, uh, against a, Use usual kind of lasso to propel yourself off the robot. Fire yourself onto a different, a distant rail. More explosions. Jump left. Jump right. You're fine. Everything's great. You feel amazing, and you just sort of like land at the end, and it feels amazing. It's so good. It's like, and it's just like sometimes action sequences need to be prescribed in these roller coaster type games to be satisfying and to work. Um, If you are basically allowed to fail and have to kind of be teleported backwards uh, to a checkpoint it loses the momentum and the flow of what is essentially supposed to be um, an action entertainment movie that you're mm-hmm. participating in. Uh, and this it reminds me of um, even like Space Ace, <laughs> which was an Amiga game, um, which was incredibly punishing. those was essentially like a, a quick time uh, action game where you had to press like left, right, up, down, at precisely the right moments during this prescribed animation in order to get through the... Uh, Uh, get through the game to the final boss, no challenge at all, no actual, no real design to it, to be honest, beyond the the design of the actual animation scenes themselves, Uh, the 2D animations and the the voice acting and all that stuff. Um, And like, I used to think that all games need some sort of mechanical depth. (laughs) And I still do think that, except for certain types of experience where I absolutely don't want any mechanical depth whatsoever. I just want to press the buttons and see the cool thing happen <laughs> and then get to the cool next bit where I get to shoot guns at uh, robots, which is the other thing that Ratchet and Clank is is very, very good at because it has this extraordinary arsenal of weapons that you can equip. Um, and they're all basically blaster weapons of some kind or just kind of quite exotic weapons where there's one where you uh, target an enemy and you shoot a bolt at them and then if it hits them the bolt spawns into a, a big fist that hangs up and to the left and then <laughs> it's such a weird weapon um then it flashes and you press the trigger and it punches them and then goes <laughs> to the other side of them and then it flashes again and you press the trigger and it punches them again from the other side and every time and you get to the sequence it's like punch bosh punch bosh punch and every time you hit them fireworks explode out the side of their face when it happens <laughs> extraordinary <laughs> scenes marvellous stuff uh and actually it's, it does have like a, an actual use of the game like it's, it's it's like tactically there's a distant opponent who's quite powerful you shoot the giant stupid punching gun at them and then as you're kind of like evading all the other fire you uh your controller buzzes because the playstation 5 controllers is amazing like in terms of the Mm, feedback it gives you uh the the sort of the um the rumble uh even the sound when you're playing with speakers the sounds that come out of the controller are actually useful so in this one when (laughs) you get extra damage for pressing the punch that guy again button at precisely the right moment and it goes and you click it and it goes and fireworks explode and then they just fall over and go ah and you feel like yeah This is the best game of the year, really, in some ways, (laughs) somehow, (laughs) because uh, just in, in terms of pure feedback, in terms of pure, like the buttons you put into the system and the way it feeds back to you audiovisually, the kind of the like moment by moment, literally second by second, uh, joy that you get from this game for just putting the right buttons into the thing is extraordinary. It looks incredible. Uh, I said this about Psychonauts two earlier this year. The amount of stuff and a- the amount of activity that developers could put on screen for you these days in a game that wants to do that is just still stunning to me. Like even more so than films like Pixar films or other kind of like animated films, mm. digitally animated films even do. Just to have that happening kind of dynamically in the background even as you're hitting crystals that transform the entire level into a different dimension instantly with a completely different kind of color palette with completely different characters with no loading with nothing happening it's it, it's a spectacular piece of work um and i i think it hmm.
1: it's really 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 good um <laughs> it's really interesting to hear you go so hard for it because i've always thought of ratchet clank as being the series that you know hardcore well people who wrote for playstation magazines would always tell you oh no no it's really i mean this one's really good actually this one's really good it's actually it's it's actually better than mario um and you you play it you'd be like well it's better than banjo kazooie Um, (laughs) but it does sound like i mean they have been steadily getting honing their craft haven't they insomniac, I guess. Yeah. But do you find the the central double act to be particularly charming or charismatic in this? I you
2: know? I I think it's designed to be completely harmless. Uh, right. and that's as much as I would say about it really. I think that it's basically just a silent story about like eh, friendships across dimensions and stuff. Um it's I think it's a thing that lets parents give it to their kids and not have it like basically have no problems with Anything difficult happening, except for the fact that you shoot so many guns at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you shoot a lot of guns at things, um, but they're all like robots or extremely abstract kind of like blobs, alien blobs. Um, but I, I, find, I think that the kind of the bar for this type of experience is that it should not be challenging <laughs> in any way. Right. Yeah, uh, and I think that I think if 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 that's the case, and it's basically friendly, and it's about a, a story about friendship, um, which it is fundamentally, as far as I think I'm most of the way through it now, um, I think that's job done. And I don't, I think for these like, given that the audiences you want to attract to this sort of game, I don't think you want to really kind of do anything particularly complicated with the main characters. It, it's good to have just a you know big robot villain, have a couple of you know, um I don't know what the hell they are, wombat dudes with guns <laughs> who um uh you know, straddle dimensions and don't know how to make friends, but they find friendship. Whatever, like fine. I mean I, I don't I don't think this I find it hard to criticize it for that. I think that and also you just get like these really, really good, you know, uh vocal vocal performances, good acting, incredible facial animation on these kind of weird wombat things <laughs> and even like the <laughs> robots and stuff is like they, they didn't have to do a lot of that stuff they didn't have to like try and make uh, make it into this that uh there's kind of like this, a wally element to the two robots and the different dimensions like uh, one is you know th- there's uh clank is a little robot that sits on your on ratchet's bank back and does a lot of kind of sub games and uh, abilities and stuff, but he has a counterpart and they sort of meet. And it's oh, very nice. But I don't know, I, don't, I can't find it hard to criticise it for that, because I don't, what are they supposed to do, right? like <laughs> you just like a fucking King Lear.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would buy that game, though. <laughs> Insomnia. <laughs> that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That with one. extra grinding. I was going <laughs> to
0: Ratchet and Lear. <laughs>
2: I feel, like, I feel like I've rambled a bit there, but I, it's genuinely because i played it. The, like It's been a, just a real salve, like outside of, you know, after a work day, mm. booting up the Ratchet and Clank for an hour. It's been just a joy for the last two weeks, and it's, I think I'm about to finish it, and I can't fault it for what it does, really.
1: That sounds nice. Yeah. Do you know if it's coming to PC?
0: No idea whatsoever. I, I doubt it. But, um, I think cause... it was a big platform launcher for the PS5, right? So I would doubt yeah. it. Yeah,
1: because really? uh, I mean, a lot of the uh, Sony. Are, well, I mean, in the distant future, will probably put it on PC, right? Do you think?
2: True. Slowly uh, moving assume. some
1: of their big titles across.
2: Yeah, it seems like Horizon stuff might end up there eventually. But this one in particular, I think it has some very specific kind of PlayStation features, especially uh. um, with the the controller. Um, the controller has these kind of uh, this kind of feedback resistance in the shoulder pads, uh, which I actually don't like. Um, after playing this game for about like 7 hours now i think uh so they offer res- like analog resistance to your presses onto the uh the trigger pad the trigger um buttons on the left of the right stick um and the way this game does it is that there's kind of like a halfway point where it offers resistance and that lets you lock on and then you click in further and it feels so wrong to me like it just feels really uncomfortable and ugly and not actually a particularly good way of interacting with, um, with aiming and shooting and stuff. Uh, and I uh, like you could just drop that, but like a lot of the mechanics are bound into that in terms of the way the weapons lock on, and in terms of the way that you boost when you're in certain modes and stuff like that. Where I think like it would have to be redesigned a bit to get onto PC and other consoles. Um, not to say that it might not never do that, but um, the Spider-Man games. I've done a uh, uh, showing signs of going nowhere, so I don't
1: know. Right, yeah.
0: Hmm.
2: Uh, can I quickly mention the other thing I've played? That's... Yeah. So I did want to mention uh, the Kid Amnesia Exhibition.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that. Hmm. I haven't um, dabbled with it.
2: Uh, and this is basically a kind of... Uh, digital world realisation of Radiohead's albums uh, Kid A and Amnesiac, released way too long ago now. Um, But it's also, for me, one of the most successful digital exhibitions that I've tried, basically. Um, And I think it's just, um, in terms of creating, like turning art into a spatial environment and having the journey being representative of the music itself and sometimes literally dismantling the music into different parts of a room uh, so for example there's uh, a, a track called idiotech on kid a that really had made and uh idiotech is represented in a room that's kind of like uh, has several kind of desks and chairs and bits around and every time you approach each point in the room you get a different part of the track but you can never fully kind of get the mm. full track from that and it sort mm. of dismantles it and puts it in different places and as someone who's very who very much has enjoyed that track and heard it live and it's amazing um just hearing kind of like pulled apart in that way in this uh virtual environment i found to be extremely effective uh, and then in another moment, you might go into a giant pyramid and there's, uh, there's a song on Amnesia, I believe, called Pyramid Song, which is uh, extremely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's then you kind of, you go in there and then suddenly you get pulled into, you're almost trapped in a kind of evolving uh, kind of series of prisons that change shape while projections happen all around you. Well, the full force of the music comes at you, and it's like a three-track sequence, and then it kind of like spits you back out, and it's like, well, that was fucking Im- great, actually. <laughs> like that was just really, really clever representation of how this music feels to listen to. Sometimes uh, a, a beautiful uh, a, a capture. They capture. Think about is that they're very good at doing very fiddly, kind of nerdy, anxious stuff. And then combining that with moments like transcendence and beautiful choruses and anthems that suddenly can be transporting. And the, the fact that um, this particular exhibition creates those moments in virtual space is enormously successful. Um, and I've just revisited it, I spent a couple of hours in it and I've revisited it. Um, and I think I still think it's really, really good. I particularly like it because. I'm personally really interested in virtual spaces being used for different purposes other than mm. having to interact with NPCs and achieve objectives and complete, you know, uh, participate in a game where you win or lose rather instead of just kind of being in a place and absorbing something from it and taking it away. And I, I think that there's still just huge potential for uh, journalistic, um, Kind of experiments in the genre, and I think like stuff like this that's like really, really well produced uh, with the backing of uh, Epic Games and a band like Radiohead kind of just promotes this as an idea where we can just like it's it's a free thing by the way you can download from the Epic Games Store uh, and you could just go and experience it at any moment. Uh, I just think that's just a nice thing to throw out into the world that might actually kind of. Give people ideas about how you can create art with virtual spaces in a way that is accessible hmm.
1: and not too time-consuming. Perhaps oh, that sounds excellent. I, I mean, I, I was worried that it would end up being just like a sort of a sub-Syriac glitch art accompaniment to the album, uh, but it sounds like they've done something pretty thoughtful with it. Yeah,
2: I think if you uh, if you, uh, if, you uh, if you know the albums, then. I think you'll be delighted by the kind of you'll recognise the the tones and the kind of like the pulsing beats that come in here and there, which are kind of detached from the songs themselves, because it's very much like they've obviously just the people who created this have had total access to every single track on both of those albums, in terms of just rhythm-based, like the various bits of abstract kind of ambience, um, as you see in like stuff like Tree Fingers in one of those albums, like. And I think the cumulative effect is beautiful, actually, um, and I would recommend that people try it out see what they think.
0: Yeah, I had exactly the same assumptions Marsh did, so it's actually great to hear it's so good. I want to try that out now. Is it is it VR or first person or both?
2: So um, I think that is a VR version. I've not tried it. Um, I tried the hmm. first person version.
0: And maybe I'm just assuming it's VR. It just feels like I yeah. Maybe I'm simply assumed that.
2: Uh, Yeah, Uh, so yeah, it's a first person thing you can just wander through. I uh, absolutely 100% recommend headphones. Uh, It doesn't have to be like a posh pair of headphones, any headphones I think are going to be better than the speakers for this one because it's quite a kind of uh, the sounds work super good when they are close. Um, That's just kind of the
0: way those albums work. Awesome. I think that might be about all of the thoughts we've got time for this week. We will be back next week with further thoughts on a subject to be decided by a spin of the wheel, <laughs> followed <laughs> the week after by further video games. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about the podcast, you do so at CrateandCrowbar.com, which is also where you'll find the uh, link to our Discord server, where people hang and have opinions about these opinions. Um, you can find this episode and others like it on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash crowbar. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Creighton Crowbar. I've done this all sort of backwards and out of order. Um, but you uh, can also find out about the podcast Patreon, which supports this podcast and others like it uh, at uh, patreon.com forward slash Creighton Crowbar. In the meantime, I've been Chris Thurston.
1: I've been Marsh
2: Davis. And I've been Tom Senior. Thanks, Ben. So listen, party. everybody.
0: You spaffed all your gag juice on Noam Tomsky. (laughs) It's all gone. That's it for me.